Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab and I am very excited today to be talking with a world-class athlete, record holder, Olympic medalist. Dina Castor is an elite runner who is a staunch believer in the power of mental fitness fueling physical fitness. She has just released a book titled Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. Good morning, Dina. Good morning, Sue. You know what? You have an incredible resume, obviously, as an elite runner. You've actually won marathons. And it's funny because my colleagues and I were just looking over your stats before this interview. And you've run a marathon in 219, which we just don't even know how that's humanly possible. What's that, a five and a half minute mile? Five five minutes and 19 seconds. Oh, my goodness. So is that running full on the whole 26 miles? I mean, I think I think running more so than any other sport is is so relatable to the general to the general public, the people, all forty five thousand people that'll be on the starting line of the Boston Marathon. Um, that we're that the, the that the masses can relate to to everyone surrounding them because we're all pushing our limits. We're all trying to find that line of of capability and and struggle and trying to. to finesse our way to the finish line of 26.2 miles so I think more so than anything like I could stand on the free throw line of a basketball court and shoot baskets all day long and never really know what it's like to be Kobe Bryant but (laughs) in running we can all relate to one another because we're all no matter what our paces are we're all trying to ride that line of of being able to to reach that finish line as fast as possible and you'll be running this year's Boston Marathon how many times have you run the race you know, I've only run the, the marathon in Boston one other time, but I did run the Olympic trials were there in 2008, and it was a, a, um, a circuited loop around uh, Back Bay so that spectators could, could really enjoy, enjoy watching, and, um, watching the race unfold and watching the Olympic team get formed. So I was able to, to run that, and Boston did an amazing job hosting the trials that year. Um, it was a Sunday morning, and then, of course, the, the marathon itself was on Patriots Day. So it was an exciting weekend in 2008 to be able to make my uh, third Olympic team there in Boston. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of the Olympics, you won a bronze medal back in, was it 04 in Athens? Yes, it seems like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Time goes. What I love about that is not only that you, I mean, obviously to win a bronze medal is just, it's monumental, but you had shattered what was a 20-year drought in the event for U.S. women. So that must have been an incredible moment for you. It was an incredible moment. It was my goal all summer long as I was training for that race to earn a medal in, in the marathon, but I couldn't have done it without the women before me. And it's amazing to me as, as Boston is coming up, the Boston Marathon is coming up, because so much of our, um, or all of our history in females participating in the marathon uh, have taken root in Boston. We have 
um, so many years ago that Bobby Gibb banded the race to be able to prove that women can run. And the next year, Catherine Switzer got a bib number for the race um, under the name Case Switzer so that she wasn't, it wasn't found out that she was a female and she completed the marathon to, to that, those two women paving the way for Joan Benoit Samuelson in 1984 to win the first ever um, women's marathon. Um, she won gold that year, just won the hearts and minds of Americans and really inspired people. But all these women returned to Boston each year to, to pay tribute to the race, to run the race. It is just amazing to me that in such a short amount of time, American distance running has come so far. And this year, more than any other year, there is a really star, an incredible star-studded field that's going to be towing the line in Boston. And we've had Catherine Switzer on the show. Um, she's just amazing. And she ran the Boston Marathon just recently to commemorate, I think, the 50th, you know, the 50 years since she had run it that first time. And when she told her story, I was amazed at her story and the doors that she opened up for all of you. Yes, and she still she still has such a presence to her. It's hard to believe it was 50 years ago because she doesn't even look 50 years I old. I know, I but, know. But, so maybe running has been her fountain of youth. But she shows up I, at, at these marathons and continues to inspire and encourage people to to push past their limitations and to empower themselves to to let their dreams come true, whether it's in running or any other endeavor. So she's she continues to, uh, so long after, for 50 years running, she's still continuing to inspire so many people. And I want to talk about your book. So your book's title is Let Your Mind Run. It's a memoir of thinking. It says, Thinking My Way to Victory. You talk about mental fitness and positive psychology as a way to fuel physical fitness. But when I um, was looking at the book, I thought, this isn't really just for runners. This whole concept of mental fitness fueling you um, can apply to people other than runners, right? Absolutely. Taking control of your thoughts and being your own advocate is is really universal, a universal concept. But so much of the time we're focused on on um, on taking care of our physical bodies, getting the right training program in, the right gym membership, or or driven in our careers, and and we're not our greatest cheerleaders. And this is a book that that shows how to do that. It's a memoir, but I like to think of it more of an instructional memoir. And as I was writing over the past couple of years, I really wanted not for people to read this book and learn more about me, but but to read the book and discover more about themselves. And talk about, um, I I read that you, the concept sort of came because you had a time in your life where um, not being positive, having negative thoughts was almost a career ender for you. Take us back to that time for a minute. Yeah, so I was in in college and and just ridden with with injuries and, and being frustrated, and it was mostly because for the good part of my of my upbringing, I was told I was talented in this sport, and I think when you're told you're talented, you subconsciously lose that um, that drive to to work hard. And so, talent is a to me was a fixed trait, and it said nothing of my character of being driven and hardworking. So I didn't really understand it. I just thought you line up to a race, and the person with the most talent wins. But I started losing a lot, and it became very frustrating. I didn't know what was happening. Was I burning out? Did I did I use up my potential? And um, and so it was really just gaining an understanding through a couple of conversations with some great mentors and coaches that, wow, I've been doing this for so much of my life, and I really don't know a lot about running. And so I went on this journey to, to learn more, and it first came with 
trusting my training program. And once I could trust the training program, the onus was on me to get the best out of that training program. And that came from the mental aspect of, of training my mind. And when you say train your mind, are there any specific skills that you do, like meditation or um, imagery or anything like that, that helps as well? Yes. I mean, the list is long. It's like 200 pages of it. <laughs> 200 pages of it. That it's gratitude list and, and how powerful those those are as they as you continue writing them gratitude lists every day it was visualization it was positive affirmations and most of all it was just paying attention how how the refrain in your mind as you're as you're climbing a hill to say i hate hills i hate hills and then to to realize what a struggle you're in and say like how can i shift my how can i shift my my mantra right now to to help me a little bit more to serve me better and so i just shifted it to i'm getting stronger with every climb i'm getting stronger with every climb and in that moment, that, that simple shift of wording, even though it was just the thought, it could be even changing the tone of your thoughts, but that simple shift had me standing up taller, had me feeling more powerful to get up that hill. So the significance on our thoughts and how they resonate physically in our bodies is hugely profound, and that's what I was learning as, um, as my career progressed. And so I just paid attention and, and tried changing my, my thoughts and, and my practices. If you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. We've been chatting with elite distance runner and marathon winner, Dina Castor, about her amazing career and about her new book, Let Your Mind Run, A Memoir of Thinking My Way to Victory. Let's get back to our conversation. How important is it to surround yourself by people who fuel those positive thoughts, by positive role models and people who are cheerleaders for you? And and who have those people been in, in your life? Oh gosh, the, the the positive reinforcement I've gotten has has totally been from the from the people I surround myself with because that's the information and the feedback you're getting, whether it's from people or books. We we all might have some energy suckers in our lives and and people that aren't a hundred percent supportive of our of our dreams and our visions. But if we can surround ourselves mostly with those who lift and inspire and encourage us, um, that is really that is really the the foundation of a great workspace, of a foundation for success no matter what your endeavor is. So luckily for me, it's been through coaches. It's been through my my family. And I think that's what had me stand back and say, like, I have nothing to write here because I came from from a fully supported family. I had no struggle or abuse. I have had amazing relationships in my life, people who inspired and encouraged me. I found the the man of my dreams who who travels with me and, and, and supports me on a daily basis and is a wonderful father helping raise our seven-year-old daughter, Piper. So I just feel very, very fortunate. But, and then I think, like, it's not really luck. A lot of this is choosing those people to be around. My right. parents might have taught me that surrounding yourself with good people is important, but to actually go out and do it is, a, is another thing. So always being with people who inspire, who inspire you and who you respect and trust and that is that is hugely important. Yeah, it's funny that you say, you know, the luck thing, because I have to be reminded of that a lot. There's times that I'll say to my husband, oh, I've been lucky in my career. And he's like, no, sometimes you might, your timing might be good and you might luck out, but then you have to have, you have to make good decisions and you have to bring something to the table. So um, I love that, that it's not luck. It's, it's, it's making good decisions and conscious decisions, as you say. I want to talk about your daughter. Do you think, um, what, do you think that she has any aspirations of running? Has she run with you? 
She does run with me sometimes. I never encourage it. I always let it be her idea because I don't want it to. I don't want her to have a negative association with it. So sometimes she'll say that she wants to go run on the treadmill after dinner, but she's in a in a foul mood, and I'll say you can't run when you're when you're in a foul mood. You can only run when you're happy. <laughs> right. This, this needs to be a, a joyous joyous adventure but when she strides out and runs the local turkey trot or or jumps on the treadmill or runs at the park with the dogs it is like the deepest joy to see how natural and how happy she is doing it so um so you know i don't know what her what her path is she's only she's only seven but i try to try to encourage her with all of her passion she's in singing classes she plays the piano um, all very all very mildly but uh, <laughs> in Spanish classes so all these all these things that I, I want to be able to as parents it's our job to make sure we're supporting these endeavors and then she'll find a she'll find a path but my biggest hope is that whatever she chooses to do she's doing it with a lot of passion and joy and that's what I was going to ask you next what you hoped she took away from watching you um, not not it, not in terms of running, but just watching the way that you've conducted your life, and that is to, to go after what you're passionate about, I would assume. Absolutely. And even in a, in a day where she'll jump out of the, jump out of the car and, and, and run with me for, for a mile when we're on a training run and my husband is driving next to, to me and my Mammoth Track Club teammates, she'll jump out and, and run her, her heart out. And it's so um, inspiring to me that right when she, and encouraging that I might be leading by good example, when she immediately just gets social. She wants to have a conversation and she's smiling. And I think that that's emulating how she sees me and my teammates running is that it's, it's conversational and fun and we're enjoying each other's company. So, um, I might be screwing her up in a million other ways, but I feel <laughs> oh, like, Oh yeah, we um, all are being, being positive and happy. I'm doing a good job. That's true. And I also read that you, you know, you have, you balance your life sort of by, by, uh, focusing on community and, and doing some things to give back. Talk about ways that you give back to the community. Oh wow! And um, I mean, to me, this the, this whole journey of our lives is about communication and and um, and sharing time with people. When I dedicated the book to my to my longtime coach Joe Vigil, who inspired me, and he he just showed by example that no matter what we have, whether it's time or money or food or knowledge. The value of it increases immensely the moment it, the moment it's shared with somebody else, and so to me that's that's the whole my whole passion in life is sharing all of these things. You know what good is what good is having time if we're not sharing it with someone, whether it's whether it's over the phone or an interview or whether it's sitting at the table or sitting across the desk from somebody. Money, what good is it if we're not going to be able to spend it and share it with others? Food, there's nothing better to me to be sitting at the table and sharing a meal with friends and family. And then knowledge, that if we know some truths in, in running or in life, that what good is it if we keep it in our own heads? It's, its power comes when we can share some of those truths with other people. So to me, the, the sharing aspect of it is so important. And, and the, the communities we live in, we can feel lucky to live in the communities we live in or feel like, wow, I've made some really good choices to live here. And to be able to to share what we have with the communities we we thrive in is is hugely important in um, in helping create and inspire the the youth within that community. We host in Mammoth Lakes, where I live, some community races, a Fourth of July Freedom Mile, a Turkey Trot, 
and just trying to um, to have a we put in a track six years ago now mm-hmm. because across the country we kept seeing that tracks that were at universities and on school campuses were being closed to the public for liability purposes and so we wanted to build a track that people could could run and enjoy enjoy recreating on no matter what time of year what time of day it was so just trying to give back in those ways so people constantly have a way to to release and and enjoy their surroundings and um so it's been it's been wonderful to be in a community because the community has been supportive of my husband and i over the years and we would like to repay that favor tenfold that's incredible if you're just joining us i'm sue tab and you're listening to exceptional women on magic 106.7 dina Caster is our guest today. She is an Olympic medalist and record holder in the marathon. She is talking with us today about the power of positive thinking and mental fitness driving physical fitness. That's the topic of her new memoir called Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. Let's continue. I saw a quote on your website that kind of struck me. It said, uh, my greatest wish besides inspiring a child to dream loftily in sports is to help in the appreciation of the journey to instill in many the desire for fitness and health because of the vitality it brings. Vitality, of course, is different from victory. Is one more important than the other? I think vitality is 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 more important than victory because our our victories and our goals, whether it's to to run a personal best or just even complete your first five k, or whether it's just to make it to the next week, um, those those goals are like beacons or carrots that kind of lure us. But how we condition and our habits our habits of thought and the body that we're conditioning in that process is is the most important part and because those are the moments that are building us stronger so just putting just showing up every day um showing up at the office or showing up with your running shoes on those are the important steps because because that's the building that's the the building phase and that to me that's that's more important to to talk about the journey seems so cliche so Mm -hmm. i try to to think about it in those in those other ways of of that that beacon and that carrot is never going to be accessible if I'm not getting out there today and and helping build that. Is your book something that you had always wanted to do, something that somebody more recently urged you to do? Was it always in you? Did it come easily when you were writing it? It's very funny to to use the word easy because um, some people that pre-read the book, some journalists that pre-read the book, the galleys of it, the unedited galleys, which kills me to send out to um, to educated people that they're a book that has so many errors in it. But those galleys, um, I got some feedback from them, and so many people said, "Wow, that was such an easy read. I read it in two days, and I thought, an easy read? Is it really? <laughs> it was such a hard write. How could that be possible? It was um, it was a, a grueling last year. I've been writing the book for three years with my co-author Michelle Hamilton." She was a, a writer for Runner's World for years and then um, left there to be able to take on this project with me. And it was really her commitment that kept me dedicated through the harder harder weeks of writing. There were days where we would lament for hours on an opening paragraph of mm-hmm. a chapter that was already written. So it was a it was a hard process. But I think, again, when you have a great team around you, you feel um, dedicated to them. And I certainly felt like I owed Michelle my greatest effort because of the effort she was putting in. And we also had a great 
editor Kevin Doughton at um, at Crown Penguin Random House, who really pushed our limits. He um, he he really kept our feet to the fire and kept wanting more and more out of us. And there's um, there's nothing more satisfying to your spirit than giving your all to something very challenging. And so as this um, as this book comes out there, uh, this week, I couldn't be more proud of of putting everything into it for the, to create a good product. And I love that it's coming out. Here we are. It's Boston Marathon time. You're going to be here running it. You're originally from Boston. Is that right? I was born in Waltham. My mom was uh, born and raised in Hall or Nantasket Beach. Um, so my summer childhoods were always at the beach there, but I was raised in California. Okay. So, well, we'll still call you a Boston girl. We want to take ownership of you. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to wish you so much luck. This this yeah, book. I have so many so many fond memories of the beach and trip castles and waiting for the ice cream man to come come down Beach Avenue so we could uh, cool off in the summer heat. So my my childhood memories are are definitely from there. Yeah, and do you have any kind of a different mindset when you approach a marathon now, being older? Um, I think I think my um, my thoughts coming into this race. I'm 45 years old, and my fastest days are behind me. But to just trust trust the buildup, I, I feel like I have an incredible amount of trust in in not just the years behind me, but in this in this time where I was able. I feel grateful and and trusting of being able to put in that work every morning but when I got home I had my mom hat on or my wife hat on and um, or doing things writing newsletters for the Mammoth Track Club so now I have multiple hats during the day polishing off this book of course was a huge one um, getting getting the final product out there but um, but just the, the time that I was able to spend in my running shoes I felt grateful to have and I did it with with 100% focus but then the rest of the day um, had, a, had a different part of me and a different focus altogether. Well, we are already out of time, believe it or not, but I want to remind listeners, the book is called Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. Dina, thank you so much for sharing so much with us today. I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading your book and good luck on the marathon. Thank you, Sue. I look forward to arriving in Boston soon. Dina Castor has been in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women, but remember that exceptional women are everywhere. We interview athletes, CEOs, celebrities, and authors, but we also like to talk to teens and coworkers and your neighbors who are quietly making an impact out in their communities. Email us if you know someone who fits the bill. We'd love to hear from you. Meantime, thank you to my producer, Kendra Petroni, and to all of you listening. Tune in again next Sunday at 730 for another edition of Exceptional Women on Magic 106. 6.7. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.